G'day guys, CB here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Chewing the Fat. Today, I had an awesome chat with JY about social media. We touched on the fitness influences in the social media world, the physio influences in the social media world, the addictive nature, the negative aspects of social media, but also the positives about it. Um, Please subscribe to us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you haven't already. And if this episode doesn't inspire you to delete social media completely like JY has, please follow us on Instagram at chewingthefat underscore podcast. Hope you enjoy. G'day and welcome to Chewing the Fat with CB and JY. I'm Chris Bryson. I am uh, James Young. How are you, Chris? I'm very well, thanks, mate. How are you? Good, mate. It's good to be here with you after a uh, after a small hiatus. We did have a small hiatus. Um, we were all ready to record last weekend, um, but you've gone missing for three or four days, mate. I, you know, you weren't answering your phone. You weren't replying to messages. I couldn't get onto you. Um, I was really worried, mate. I actually nearly called the cops and sent out a search party. What happened, JY? Yeah, look, it was a uh, it was a very dark twenty four hours. Uh, we, as the listeners know, we record on a Sunday, so um, Saturday the I think it was the third of uh, October two thousand twenty. Um, there was a uh, yeah, there was a terrible crime committed on the Oval at uh, at the Gabba um, in Queensland, Brisbane, Queensland. Uh, the Saints somehow uh, ran away with a victory over my beloved Bulldogs. Um, I went into a, uh, a pretty deep hole for, uh, for a little while. No one could contact me. Um, my family were getting worried. Uh, you obviously were very worried. Um, I was. But we're, we're okay now. We're okay. Um, the Saints lost, and that sort of brought me back out of it. It was just good to sort of you know, have a bit of retribution. No, but in all honesty, that was, um, that was, a, uh, that was a grim day, and uh, I hope I never have to see another one of those because that hurt. That really hurt. I've seen a lot of losses. A lot of wins, but a lot of losses as well, and that one hurt a lot more than some of the others. I am very pumped to be even more so after a week off, JY. I know what it feels like to lose finals, because you've only been very good at it over the years, but (laughs) we smashed the pies last night, mate, so I am absolutely up and about. As you would be. As I would be. As you would be. They they look good. I'm uh, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you, and I do hope that... uh, Next week is a good game because I think the winner of that will be the team I'll be going for in the final, my man. Before we get into it today, mate, I want to give a quick shout out to probably our number one fan, probably our number one critic as well, but definitely our number one pan, our fan, my old man, Pete. Um, his 60th birthday today in lockdown. We record on a Sunday. This will go out midweek, but Sunday the 11th, um, happy 60th PB. Happy birthday, um, I'm PB. super pumped about the Cats, um, even more so because they got up for your birthday, mate. God bless. Good on him. Big episode today, JY. Social media. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, uh, I've been looking forward to doing this one ever since the moment I messaged you and said we should, uh, we should do an episode on social media. Um, now, we've got a bit to talk about in the world of social media, and we're particularly going to cover you know, the, the fitness trends and, and the physio trends, you know, because that's sort of our domain. But a couple of quick stats that I want to go over, mate, to realize why this is such a, a big topic. Now, Facebook has 2.5 billion users. Billion. 
mate. There's it's what ridiculous. what is it? Twenty eight, twenty nine million people in Australia. Two point five billion people are on Facebook. YouTube has one point five billion users. Instagram has one billion users, um, including five hundred million Instagram stories that are actually posted every single day. Um, and according to research, three point five billion people in total use some form of social media every single day in the world. Now, the population of the world is 7.6 billion. 3.5 of those are using social media every single day. That's nearly half. And that's obviously including, you know, babies and infants and children and people that are unwell or elderly or, you know, in, I suppose, non-developed countries and things like that who don't have access. Like nearly half the world is using social media every day. That's crazy. Yep. Um, And even if we don't inherently, um, you know, think about it, our lives are controlled by social media. Um, we are um, we are pretty much glued to our smartphones, laptops, um, and our devices. And most of what we are uh, doing involves social media in some aspect. Um, you know, a lot of us use social media for work. Um, we do, obviously. Um, and you know, a lot of people use it for entertainment. Um, a lot of people use it for education. There's a you know, there's so many different uses for social media now, apart from just connecting with your friends, which is obviously what the original um, idea behind it was, you know, to connect us. Um, and now just even just like hearing those stats, it's amazing considering how new social media is. We, 15 years ago, wouldn't have even known what the word social media meant. And, you know, now it is... It's such a massive part of our lives. Yeah, it's mind blowing, mate. It's mind blowing. Um, we're going to touch on to start, you know, how social media has influenced the fitness world, um, and I'm very interested to hear your thoughts, mate, on you know the, the fitness influences, the the fitspo hashtag, all the different trends that are that are all over the socials, mate. Um, you know how the fitness industry does use social media in good ways and bad ways to, to market themselves, mate. What are your thoughts? Um, well, I guess like. I want to touch briefly on like sort of why social media has been brought out into the limelight over the last probably um, probably the last month or two. Um, documentary on Netflix came out, and I pretty much messaged. This is kind of how this came about when I messaged you and said, "Mate, you've got to watch this uh, social dilemma documentary." Um, the the documentary you know basically covers all the pitfalls and you know the um, the numbers both, you know, damning, um, well, the damning statistics um, surrounding social media um, and its impact on people. Um, and it has got me thinking, um, it's got you thinking about, obviously, the trends in the fitness industry that, you know, sort of involve social media. And I sat down, I went through my social media and I was having a look at the different things that pop up. And probably the biggest thing, first of all, um, that I see are the the trends amongst what I would, without sort of, you know, sounding elitist here, what I would call sort of uneducated fitness influencers. And as we know, and we've spoken about previously, to be a personal trainer or to be a trainer or, you know, um, work within the fitness industry, it's pretty easy. You really just need a basic certificate or, you know, almost what we call a cereal box qualification to be able to train people. And um, the unfortunate you know, part of this is a lot of people sort of get that qualification and then their, any of their further education comes from social media. So like I said before, social media is fantastic for education. So long as you're, you know, you're following and consuming the right content and the right people, 
which is also something we're going to do in the show notes for this episode. We're going to put in a lot of good, um, you know, uh, accounts and people that we like to follow. Um, just to, you know, just saying for you guys. Um, but the, you know, the people out there who aren't quite, you know, yeah, positive, um, yeah, positive industry professionals. Um, they use a lot of um, whether it's products or whether it's um, you know whether it's the way they look or whether it's jargon or it's you know trends. They they look at um, at sort of like winning followers and clients and making money rather than actually spreading good information to um, to the people consuming their content. And you would have seen this as well, Chris. I know. It was very easy for me to fall into the trap of these when I first ever started training. There's a lot of guys out there who were floating around on, uh, you know, I mean, I used to go on bodybuilding forums and then it would get me down these like rabbit holes of like different Facebook accounts of people and it would be, um, you know, generally people who aren't out there, you know, with the latest research, which we'll get to Mm. shortly too, sort of just spreading, I guess, you know, their... You know, their anecdotal sort of you know experiences in the gym, things that weren't necessarily actually researched. Yeah, and I, the nature of social media is it's all about likes, it's all about numbers, it's all about followers, and the people with more likes and more followers, and you know generally the better looking as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are the ones that people listen to, right? And that can be scary because, as you said, in the fitness industry particularly, it's very easy to become qualified. Anyone can become qualified, and just because you've you know got a six pack that you know you may or may not have worked really hard for, you may have taken some supplements to get or mm. some you know anabolic steroids or something like that, or just because you're a you know supermodel. Who gets it's paid by modeling agencies to take photos of the beach in a bikini doesn't mean you know that the absolute best way to go about getting that body mm. do you know what i mean and and that's the scary thing is we, we don't know or people coming into the fitness world and look on social media and see all these people with these six packs or these you know great rigs or whatever and lots and lots of followers and lots and lots of likes and these people are putting out information but that's not necessarily the best information um and it can be very very hard for us you know as consumers to differentiate the good quality information, evidence-based, like you said, compared to people who might look good with a filter and with their top off, who are spreading information that might not be the best thing. Exactly, and they like don't they don't think about the impact that this misinformation can have on their young followers. Um, you know, people who, even though these people aren't necessarily highly educated, their followers are reaching out and approaching them for education, so they're even less educated. So when you hold a position of power, which is basically what social media uses followers for the more followers you have like you said the you know the more authentic or the more legit you are and it just leads to you know be it leads to shit spreading because you know um we're actually looking at the numbers rather than the actual knowledge of someone and you mate with the rig that you've got you know, surely you could whip that uh, whip that sweater off and uh, start doing physio uh, videos or your CB physio uh, stories in with the uh, with the rig out. New numbers would jump exponentially. But being really? the good man you are. There is one physio group in, uh, oh, I don't know if they're in America or Canada, um, North America somewhere that, uh, that films all their videos. You, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. films all their videos yeah. with their shirts off. Yeah. Um, and they're absolutely fabulous rigs. I don't mind them either. I'm not yeah. having a go, but I'm telling you, their numbers and followers will jump up substantially because their rigs are incredible and they've got them out of their physio well, videos. Mate, that's obviously what you're missing out. That's what I'm doing it's wrong, it's an it? absolute, yeah, It's an mm. absolute damning shame that you don't uh, share that with the people. Chris, um, something that you've... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> just to move on quickly, Please. what's something that you've uh, that you've noticed within the world of physiotherapy? Look, you touched on evidence based practice in the fitness world, and, and that's been massive um, on social media in good ways and bad ways. Um, just to touch on evidence based practice, there's I think there's been some research that shows that it takes between ten or fifteen years for published research in the in the medical world to actually translate over to clinical practice. Like 10 or 15 years after high quality trials have actually been published for clinicians and health professionals to start using them. That's crazy, right? And the good thing about social media is it's made access to the latest evidence and the latest literature and research more readily available. So it's sort of, I suppose, reducing that gap between when research is being done and published to when we can actually, you know, translate that clinically and pass it on to, you know, the consumers, which is fantastic, right? But there is also this, you know, this bashing and this debate about evidence-based practice in the physio world on social media all the time, whereas there's one, you know, set of people that are all about the literature and all about the research and will absolutely bash and abuse and, you know, give shit to anyone who's not 100% evidence-based by following research articles. Um, And there's other people as well who say, well, Stuff that all. All I care about is clients' results, and I'm going to use my clinical and anecdotal experience to be evidence-based, quote unquote. I'm doing quotation marks, but no one can see that on the podcast. I can um, see it. Yeah, you can see that on the Zoom screen. Um, and and there's these two sides where it's all about literature being evidence-based, and people are saying, "Well, stuff that." It's all about clinically and anecdotally, and what's going to get people the best results. Whereas the nature of being a true evidence-based practitioner is somewhere in the middle, right? You need a mix of having a really good understanding of the research, which social media can help us. You know, I suppose. Um, access a lot easier and you need to put that in a mix of your own clinical and anecdotal experience with a mix of the current client their preferences their situation their presentation and putting all them together is evidence-based practice and i see so much bashing of one side of that argument to the other on social media um which you know it's just fighting and trolling that, that brings us down as professionals um and it you know it could be done in such a better way because i said it, it's so good that we can access this and we can access blogs and see different people's opinions and share you know quality information in the evidence-based world but um it's about putting it all together properly that's you know that i think our industry is struggling with and i think um man like geez that's such a good point um the biggest thing that i took away from a podcast i was listening to um with lane norton um now i'm trying to remember which podcast it was uh he was talking to steve hall on the revive stronger podcast um and he made a really good point that one of the elements of evidence-based research or being evidence-based is also admitting what you don't know. Mm. And there are a lot of people out there who, and you see it with generally the people who actually aren't quite as evidence-based as they make themselves out to sound, is when they do hit a wall where they don't know something, they keep, or sorry, when they, you know, when they say they're digging, you know, they're digging themselves a hole and they reach the point where they've got no idea what they're talking about now, they'll just keep digging. They'll, and they will they will just keep digging for the sake of their ego rather than the actual objective of helping to educate people. And that's how you can kind of tell when, um, well, in my opinion, um, this is, again, this is just my opinion, but you can kind of tell when someone is probably full of shit is when it's about trying to convince people or it's about trying to spread your knowledge rather than it, it is about helping people. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of accounts out there which are literally just, look at how much I know. Here's a quote with a, you know, here's a quote that's got nothing to do with this photo of me with my shirt off. (laughs) And then the next post is some stupid link to an article that most of these guys have, girls, sorry, have uh, not even read. They've read the abstract at the top 
and are now, you know, a guru on hormones or, you know, whatever it might be. And it's, you're so right. And, and one of the big trends that I've noticed as well, which is similar to what you just said, is that people use social media to present themselves as the expert, right? Which is great because if you're the expert in the fitness world or the physio world or in your certain niche or whatever, that's going to help you get your clients. It's going to help your business. It's going to help your marketing, etc. by trying to do the right thing and spreading good information and becoming the expert, right? But as the expert, people are scared to admit that they don't know the answer to things, right? And that's when we get into bad habits. We become stubborn as professionals. And it can actually bring the value of healthcare down because we're so much, I find now, more closed-minded than ever because we're trying to yeah, build this persona of the expert on, on social media and pump up our profiles that we're scared to admit that we're wrong. We're scared to admit that we don't know things, right? Um, you know, and, and that comes so much when you know people do call each other out on social media. Fitness professionals bags another fitness professional, even in a really appropriate way, or a physio bags another physio, um, you know, either politely or not politely, and we become so stubborn and, and stuck in our ways that we refuse to open our mind to listen to the way something else might be done. And in the world of health and in the world of fitness, mate, we, we, the nature is there's so much we don't know. Like the leading experts in our fields in the world, they know heaps, but there's also so much that they don't know. Um, and we've got to be able to admit that. And I think people aren't doing that enough on social media. People aren't saying that, you know, things are varied. We actually don't know as much as we probably claim that we do. Um, and I think that's really important because we become stubborn. As I said, we become closed-minded to other things' point of view. We just become, you know, trying to position ourselves as the expert, even though we're not necessarily that, right? And I think people that are more honest and have better integrity than that and can openly admit when they don't know something, when they're wrong, when they've changed their practice is going to be far better. Um, and, and just on that as well, I think people that are new to the industry, the physios or PTs or anyone like this, and they're starting their journey on social media, they get scared to post content and post things because they get scared of calling out. They get scared that someone's going to say, oh, this is bullshit what you're doing. And they get scared to be wrong, essentially. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to make mistakes, provided that you are evidence-based and that you're constantly developing your skills and you're open-minded to the fact that what you're doing today, you know, in one month or three months or six months or five years, there might be a better way to do it. And that's okay. You know, I look back at the content that I posted five years ago when I started my business and there's, you know, probably every second thing I disagree with or I do something slightly better or I word it slightly differently now because I've developed as a professional. And that's not to say I was bad at my job back then. I was doing my best. Um, but it's to say that, you know, we've always got to keep up with the times and move on and not be stubborn and stuck in our ways, which I, as I said, I find personally a lot of people have been um, because of that social media influence. I think it's a really, um, really tricky thing with social media as well and trying to throw yourself out there as a business is the fact that you're one of how many accounts on Instagram? You know, like there's... A billion. There's Yeah, there's that many accounts trying to give the same message as you are. And when it comes to physiology and biology and, you know, all these elements, it's pretty well so it's not simple but it is kind of black and white in a way like there's only so much information out there you know and we do say it depends a lot which is also not very sexy for social media to kind of give some of the roundabout answers when it comes to you know examples that are that i like to give um true that's that's the point so you know you'll get messages i get dms all this time saying how much should i eat and things like that like it's you know it's Something that you just, like, that that's not what social media is there for. You know what I mean? And I think the way that we're, we're pushing, sorry, I lost my point, but we're pushing where social media is going to try to, like, advertise our businesses. I think for some of us in this sphere, it's very bloody hard to actually, you know, um, market yourself on Instagram when 
you're trying to be honest sometimes. Like I think a lot of businesses do a really, really good job of it. You know what I mean? But a lot also do struggle. And I think um, I look at um, a lot of what I do with social media and I do sometimes find myself falling down, um, you know, like holes where I sort of think, what what's the point? Like I follow other accounts for information and to, you know, connect. It's like almost kind of like, what's the point of then me having my account? You know what I mean? And then I kind of, um, you know, I kind of look at it like, well, then it's marketing. It's marketing for me to show what I'm about. However, I don't like using social media for that. Like, it's a really tricky world we live in now where your account is always going to be compared with another account. And you're always on a list of, oh, have you seen CB Physio uh, on Instagram? And someone goes, yes, no, whatever. There's another physio on Instagram that someone will share and go, oh, have you seen this guy? It's, it's never quite as black and white as, you know, I follow CB Physiotherapy. That's the only physio account I follow. And, you know, I get my information from Chris. It's, you you know, and this isn't me trying to degrade you, but there's that many other accounts that it's just, it's so hard with all the noise. And the issue with that is how do consumers and the everyday person know who to listen to? How do we know? How do we know which... You know, PT with a six pack in their shirt off do we, is actually telling the truth. Because there are some legal. good ones. You know? That's important Absolutely. to remember. Some are good. How do we know that the physio with, you know, 200 followers is not spreading better information than the physio with 50,000 followers? Like, as consumers, we don't know. But we're always drawn to these people with bigger followings, even though that may not be the best information. And that's where, what's the answer to that, mate? Like, I just don't know. I, I honestly just think at the end of the day, it comes down to who markets where they're at better than others. Um and as a consumer, we've got to literally be questioning everything. You know, mm. we, we take things as, as gospel when we shouldn't. You know, mm. years gone by, like pre-internet, pre-social media, pre-everything, like you go to the library, you'd open a book and you'd be like, okay, this is a valued resource and that's what you'd sort of trust. And now you can Google something, look up someone's Instagram account. Like there's all this, you know, overwhelming amount of information that we can consume. How do we know what's right and what's not? Well, the answer is that we don't. And we've got to be very, very skeptical about every single thing we read and be very, very careful who we trust. Because at the end of the day, Instagram's not going to do that for us. Unfortunately, you can get away with a lot of things on Instagram. I can do a post on the fact that I'm a pelican and there's absolutely no one apart from obviously the followers will probably say you're not a pelican you're a human being but Instagram's not going to come on there and go stop telling people you're a pelican you're a human being just like so and so can say that carbs after dark make you fat I can post on these things and say you're a fuckhead that's not true but Instagram's never going to call that person out Instagram doesn't moderate in that sense so it comes down to the consumer to work out what they're consuming and that's a very, very tricky sort of um, thing. I like that. I like that analogy. I thought that pelican one was good just quickly, mate. You are a bit of a pelican. Um, <laughs> it's the best probably, insult. Probably the other like biggest physio trend that I see on social media is people that bash manual therapy and people that glorify manual therapy. So we've spoken a bit about this on previous podcasts, manual therapy being any form of hands-on treatment, whether it's massage, manipulation, cracking, dry needling, cupping, you know, whatever it may be, instrument-assisted, soft tissue therapy. There's this massive trend in the physios, in the physio world who people that absolutely bash it and refuse to do manual therapy and say there's absolutely no evidence for it and they basically call out anyone who uses any manual therapy device and tells them that they're unevidence-based and unethical and you know not good at their job essentially right and there's this other trend of physios who 
glorify it and um, you know say that it does all these things that it may or may not necessarily do and put all these awesome you know transformation videos and, and, and things like that of people getting better after they've had a million cups and needles and whatever else stick, stuck on their back and all around their body um, and there's this constant fight between the two of them right and it's so hard for consumers because as consumers you want someone that's evidence-based you want someone that's going to help you you want someone that's going to get you better how do you know if this you know manual therapy bashing on their high horse is quoting all these research studies that say that you know none of these things actually make any significant difference is telling the truth or how do you know that the person who's got these videos of people with you know all these you know cups that they're putting on fire and you know needles that they're making muscles spasm and you know all sorts of weird and wonderful cracking spinal manipulation techniques and they get people up and make them feel so much better like how do they how do we know who's the better clinician mm. as a consumer and who to go to? We don't, right? Until we all sort of come together as a consensus and realize that, you know, the actual truth is lies somewhere in the middle. We know that manual therapy is not a magic fix. We know that manual therapy doesn't do half the things that people claim it to do in their marketing. Um, but we also know that it definitely helps people and it makes people feel better in the short term for certain reasons, um, despite the fact there's not a lot of evidence for its use. So the truth lies somewhere in the middle. But as a consumer, like unless you're listening to me talk on this podcast right now, yeah. how do you know that, right? Mm. And how do you know what I've just said there is not complete bullshit as well? We don't. And that to me, like that's the rabbit hole and that's the scary part because you know, there's, there's all these different trends that people bashing each other and people talking each other down and you know, pumping up one thing and pumping up another, rightly or wrongly, it's so hard to differentiate and, and we don't know you know, who to trust and, and what to do. We're also in a really tough industry as well where it's like everyone kind of is a human being or a pelican and <laughs> uh, they do struggle to sort of not have their say on, you know, on all these things. So, you know, like I've had chats to my housemate, shout out to Nick if he's listening, um, which he is, big fan of the show. Um, but he tells me, you know, resistance training doesn't really work for him. And I like, he said this the other night and I laugh and I'm, I hope you are listening to this, Nick. Um, and he, I laughed and I said, what do you mean resistance training doesn't work for you? And he said, well, you know, it doesn't work for me. And it's like, so something that's almost impossible to like not work so long as you do it properly yeah. doesn't work for you. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, so obviously there's something that's gone wrong there in the way that, you know, you've implemented or been coached or however. And he goes, no, it just doesn't work for me. That's an opinion that Nick has in regards to his, you know, his training or his previous training, just like when we say carbs are good, bad, otherwise this food's good, bad, or otherwise, every single person in the world, all 7.5 billion people can have a say on that. Mm. However, if you and I were to talk football or a real obscure sport like European handball, okay, we could get 100 different people in this room and 90 of them might have never watched European handball and might have absolutely no, like they can't talk about it. They go, I don't know anything about it. Mm. Our industry is, unfortunately, everyone has a say on it. Mm. So when it comes to Instagram accounts and people on Instagram, it doesn't matter what you post or what people say, everyone kind of does have an opinion on it, whether they agree or don't. No one will ever sit there and go, well, I don't really know, so I'm going to stay out of this one. And I think that, to me, is probably a skill that not enough people build, is the ability to kind of like step back and go, mm, you're really sure about that, so I'm going to stay out of this. And I've seen some... I'm not going to say stupid shit because that contradicts my point, but I've seen some stuff on Instagram and seen practitioners do things. You know, I've seen physios use like herbs that they burn and say it's going to heal your soul. And <laughs> I don't know, but just shit that you go like, surely not. But I'm never going to turn around and be like, 
I'm going to stop you for a second here. You're wrong because this doesn't work because no, 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 because you know what? I actually don't know. Like maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I don't think it does, but I don't have any evidence in front of me to say that it doesn't. Is it a placebo? Is it a, is it a placebo? Is it not? This is a, a, a skill that I've really tried to build. And I know that like great uh, practitioners like yourself are very similar. You will never start an argument. <laughs> I love how I say start an argument. You do love to, you know, have a little, you love, you love to chew the fat in a uh, bit more of an argumentative sense, but you'll never do it without having some form of knowledge behind the topic that you are presenting. And that I think is where everybody, mate, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one. And I think- And most of them stink. And most of them stink. And I think every single person in the world has an opinion in regards to nutrition, to training, to physio, to how they feel, to all this sort of thing. And it's very hard for people like us to get information out there when everyone already has a preconception in regards to this shit. I love that, mate. You're absolutely spot on. I'm sitting here smiling listening to that because it's something that I've noticed so much in recent times that- like I don't want to get involved in debates with, on things that I'm not educated enough about, yeah. right? And the perfect example at the moment is this whole coronavirus thing and people yeah. are talking about conspiracies yeah. and what the government are doing and what's right and wrong and all the different theories and opinions. I come to work and I'm lucky to come to work at a time like this when a lot of people don't have that privilege. And I talk to 10 or 12 different people every day who've got a different opinion and want to tell me what the government's doing wrong and what conspiracies is this and what conspiracies yeah. is that. And to be perfectly honest... I hate those conversations because I'm not educated enough about them to have an opinion. And if I have an opinion, it's going to be, you know, yeah, it's my opinion, but it's essentially going to be a false one or an uneducated yeah. one. So I'm better off not getting involved in that. Yeah. And it's the same deal as, you know, like you said, someone doing some weird herby shit on, you know, on social media. It might not be right, but if you don't know enough about it, you don't have the right to have a say, right? Yes, everyone's got their opinion. It's a free country. We can speak up. But I think it's really important if you are to have an opinion to express it, you have to be somewhat educated on the topic that you're expressing yourself about. And I think... To the last point, I promise, because there's like we get carried away with this shit. <laughs> but social media allows us to have an opinion on everything because social media is now our our news source, like for everything. No one actually reads a newspaper anymore. Mm. You know what I mean? If you go, and not that newspapers the greatest, but no one really actually goes looking up news. No one searches for things that are relevant to a topic. They it comes up on their feed. It's things that have been sort of marketed towards them, which again, we'll talk about this in a second, but it, it's stuff that Facebook or Instagram or whoever believes that they'd be interested in and throws them out there. And you can kind of have an opinion now because, you know, comes up with a post on Trump or it become you know, a thing on Daniel Andrews or Corona. Suddenly everyone is able to have an opinion. And honestly, I fell in this trap probably couple of months ago in regards to lockdowns i fell down some rabbit holes started doing a little bit of you know facebook research on it and all that which is putting out to listeners i've done it so that i can tell you to not do it um and you know what it was really it wasn't great for my mental health like i was i had suddenly had an opinion in you know uh left-wing politics that i'd never ever like had before or been interested in and a lot of it was because of what was you know, coming up in my feed and what was, you know, what was being thrust in front of me. And that's something that since I've actually, and again, we'll talk about this, I've taken myself away from social media for the last uh, three weeks now. I, I haven't even had a thought about it. Like not even one thought. I have no opinion on any of this. And you know what? As much as I don't want to be in lockdown, lockdown the last three weeks has been that much better without social media not because I'm not connected to anyone, but because I don't have that filter of noise coming in constantly. I want to ask you about that 
Mate, it was on my uh, yeah my list of questions for you today. Um, but obviously you touched on a bit earlier the the social dilemma, which is a fantastic you know drama slash documentary on Netflix at the moment that talks a lot about the addictive nature of social media and how these companies work as a business to to suck us in and, and basically every algorithm they've got every single little feature of any social media app or website is designed to keep us on there longer. You know, designed to interact us more and um, and to make us not want to look away. And the biggest stat that I've taken out of all of this is that. You know, what did we say? You know, nearly half of the world go on social media every single day. The average use time every single day is three hours. We spend three hours per day, according to statistics and research, um, on social networks, including messaging. So that probably includes text messaging. Which, Don't you know, forget, that's average. Bad. That's three average. Three hours per day. What's and we the top all end? Mate, we all lead busy lives, right? And we struggle to find half an hour to have lunch with a mate. We struggle to sit down at the end of the day and watch a TV show to relax before we go to bed. We struggle to, you know, find time to do ever-growing life admin to do these all work tasks. But we can find three hours every day to spend on social media. That is crazy. And you know what? It's not our fault. It's because these, these apps and these devices and these platforms are so addictive and that's the way that they're built. Mm. Um, and, you know, I know you said you've watched the documentary, you messaged me about it. That's probably, you know, almost sparked their motivation to do this episode. Um, you've just touched the fact that you've, you've pretty much got rid of all of your social media for the last three weeks um, and how much better you, you, your life's become. What was your motivation to do that? Like, why did you choose to, to get off social media completely? So... Based on the documentary, which talks a lot about like, you know, obviously how addictive it is um, and how much social media is now used to market to us products. um, And that's why they want us on there because they want to sell. um, They want to keep our attention. I, um, I kind of realized like, obviously, look, honestly, to anyone who's watched the documentary, I know a lot of people have, it's it's not groundbreaking. Like the statistics are good in the way that they present the information is fantastic. Um, But documentary itself like there's nothing that you walk out of it and you're like like that's blown my mind it's pretty basic stuff i have always toyed with my social media and i delete it and re-download it and delete and re-download i never delete the accounts i delete the apps so mine is more due to productivity i find that there will be times where i can easily just flip out my phone and go on instagram and scroll and watching the documentary it kind of put to me you know the fact that like there is nothing that I do on Instagram, Facebook, or anything that is product is productive. Like I, like me communicating with someone on Instagram is generally through likes or you know a follow or you know a couple of messages or whatever. And you know what? Like at the end of the day, it's basically just us, you know, saying you know yeah we like this photo, we like this. But how much thought do we put behind that? You know what I mean? Like we don't actually put any thought. So by taking myself out of that sphere, it's one less thing I have to think about. And it's led to me being able to sort of wake up in the morning and feel like I'm sort of doing stuff that has a bit of merit and doing stuff that I actually want to do. Like who really wants to sit on Instagram and scroll and like, and who wants to sit on Facebook? And, you know, it's really stuff that, we didn't have it 15 years ago. Like, why do we need it now? Spot on, mate. And I, I think, I I love that you said, you know, your mental health's been better since being off it. That's fantastic. And, you know, probably one thing I did take away from, from the, the doco was there were some pretty bad stats about the effect mm. that social media's had on people's mental health. Particularly um, teenage girls was sort of the population that they spoke about. And some statistics that said that 
um, the, the sort of the numbers of, of teenage girls who would self-harm or, or even commit suicide up until the early you know 2010s like 2011 2012 2013 were pretty stable at that point social media use and, and things like that and popularity significantly spiked and since then the number of teenage girls admitted to hospital for self-harm has risen by over 60 percent for late teens and 189 percent for preteen girls um, and it's the same pattern with suicide so older teen girls committing suicide in the usa is up 70 percent um, in the last 10 years and the suicide for preteen girls is up 151 percent and that's it is no um, yeah, look, I'm not saying I'm an expert in this field and you know it's something that we've got to be really careful careful about talking about this topic, but it's no... Um, what's the word we're looking for? Um, uh, surprise. It's no surprise that that these statistics have spiked exactly the same time that social media use spiked because teenage girls get on there, not just teenage girls, guys as well, and they compare themselves with people who... You know, might have more likes than them and more followers than them and they feel inferior. They they compare themselves with fitness professionals with whose full-time job it is or models whose full-time job it is to look bloody incredible and they feel inferior to them. And that creates mental health issues, right? The fact that they spend three hours a day or we all spend three hours a day on these devices creates disconnection from actually having conversations mm-hmm. with humans, which um, is yeah. so important yeah. and actually being social, like ironically, you know? I've seen it even just in my group, in my group of mates. I've got so many mates who are addicted to, to their phones and to social media. Oh, I've been Ooh, one of them. I've been one of them, right? I, I've implemented, I haven't gone to the extreme of you, um, you know, of getting rid of my apps and my accounts, but I've given myself a couple of little rules just in the last sort of six to 12 months about how I use my social media. Um, you know, I personally refuse to get on it before lunchtime yep. every day. Um, because I found myself every single morning I'd wake up and I'd check Facebook and I'd check Instagram before I did anything else like how unproductive is that and then when you do that you get that sort of dopamine hit and then half an hour later you're like oh what have I missed oh I want to get a latest update oh I messaged someone I like that photo I wonder who's liked my photo and you constantly use it all throughout the day and that's how you get your three or four or five hours because you start the day like that and I find delaying it to lunchtime helps me be a lot more productive in the morning and delay that a really, really bad habit that I personally used to have as well was at work, mate, like between clients, if I'd have a five-minute break or a three-minute break between clients, instead of writing notes or checking an email or you know, mentally preparing for the next client or taking a minute to be mindful and compose myself, I'd check social media between mm-hmm. every single client. And that was horrendous. And, and I'd justify it because I do use it for my business. And I'd say, oh, you know, I want to see if anyone messaged CB Physiotherapy on Instagram or I want to see how my latest post has gone if anyone's liked it in the last half an hour or an hour which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So I've given myself that rule as well is that I don't check social media during the workday between clients either. You know, And those two are very, very little things. And I'm, you know, to be honest, I still have an addiction like most people, but they've helped me dramatically. Um, the other thing I was going to mention, which is something that I, I've sort of really liked in social situations with my group of close mates, so many of us, and you know, without naming names, there's a certain few that we always know are going to be on their phone a hell of a lot more, yeah. and they're probably people that you know won't reply to your text message for you know hours or days at a time. But every time you're with them, they're glued on to their, their phone. phone. <laughs> um, you go out for dinner, we go to the pub, or go away, or whatever. And we, we have a rule where we put all their phones in the middle and there'll be a stack of five or 10 phones in the middle of the table and you're not allowed to touch your phone while you're with the boys or while you're with your mates or whatever. And that's fantastic. And if you touch it, there's some sort of punishment involved where they've got to go and buy a round of drinks or, or whatever. And, and those little things I find are really, really cool when my mates get together, which we haven't really done for the last six months, but in, uh, in years gone by, mate, unfortunately, I'm looking forward to hopefully that can happen again at some stage soon when this lockdown's over. Um, but like a little, something very simple like that, I found in social situations has allowed us to be as a group of mates a lot more connected when we all put our phones away and sort of commit to being in the moment and conversing with the people that you're in front of um, which is awesome but at the same time it's scary that we even have to do that uh, you know, it's scary yeah. that we even have to do that I think that and that it's really sad like I 
was speaking to my mate the other day and he was like, mm, so what are you doing now that you're not on social media all the time? And I'm like, to me, it's not any, it's not the importance of what I'm doing. Like, I honestly don't think that suddenly, like, my life has changed and I'm, you know, the most productive person alive. I actually, like, still have other vices, physical vices that stop me sometimes from being productive work-wise. But generally, these are the things now, like playing guitar and reading books and, you know, doing Duolingo and, like... Like they're things that aren't sitting on Instagram doing, you know what I mean? Like it might you not more be value at all. Exactly. And I might not be, you know what I mean? And like even something simple as like people argue like video games are a problem. Like when it comes to something that you can use to, you know, unwind, I'd rather have people, I'd rather if I, okay, I would rather have my son sitting there playing Warzone or FIFA or whatever and doing that than sitting on his phone scrolling on Instagram. I think. son. Congrats, man. I, uh, you know, yeah, it's something that I've been uh, meaning to tell you for a while. <laughs> no, but if I look, if I if I look at people who are playing video games and spend their time doing that, yeah, look, it's not ideal. You're not going to get a heap of work done. But you know what's better? It's better than sitting on Instagram because what do you get out of Instagram? And I, um, I think like going forward, we, um, me and one of my business partners, um, for one of our businesses, we need a um a fair bit of social media for um. Uh, for advertising and for marketing and he actually works in the e-commerce sphere so he's very very good at it very very good at it and unfortunately that means obviously social media is a huge part of that i am in a a zone where i really want to step away from social media and want to find an you know an outside source to run our social someone who does it professionally because as important as it can be to learn and dabble and to do that as a business Sometimes as a, you know, if I'm a, you know, someone who wants to start a business or be a, you know, PT, an entrepreneur or whatever it is, the social media side of things can be a very deep rabbit hole that not only are you trying to learn how to do, but like you said before, it becomes, I now need social media because I've run a business on social media. It's something that I'm trying to do in the very, you know, early stages of this new business by handballing out. So I can go, that's someone else's issue. I can build the business and work on the business like most people do without social media. The very last thing I want to add, mate, before we get to the Q&A, we've got a couple of good questions, um, is that three hours that on average we all spend every day, you know, there's some good that can come out of it, right? You said we can research things, we can consume good quality information in the fitness industry, in the physio world, whatever, you know, mm. we can connect with our friends and that's all yeah. great, right? But the vast majority of the time, like a little spiel that Hugh Van Kallenberg, who we've spoken about before, oh, he's man. a big fan of the show, The Resilience We're Project. We're a big fan of him. <laughs> um, he, he actually makes his point in, in a lot of his talks is that imagine you're sitting in a cafe and you're walking past, oh, James, James, come over here, come over here. James, do you want to come over here, mate, and look, look at this coffee that's on my table from above the view and do you want to just look straight down into my coffee? And you'd be like, why the bloody hell would I want to do that? That's literally what social media is. Like, and also, look at a top view of people's and coffee. And also you'd be sitting there or, going, it's a beer and you'd be going, Sunday sippers. Cool. Like, yeah, or like gives a shit. the sun's out today. How good's the weather? And there's 800 Instagram stories about it, and everyone's like, "Oh, cool! How good's that? That's worth sharing." Oh. Great idea. Go and enjoy yourself. Mate, you know what? I'm so glad that I haven't been on social media for since go. the weather's gotten good. I've had that many people going, "Well, how basic is everybody taking photos of sunsets and at the beach and all this?" And you know what I've been like? I haven't seen one, and honestly, it is the best feeling ever because. It sounds so stupid, but people would put up a photo of a sun and I'd be like, 
You don't need to put that up. Like, fucking just go look at the sun. And that's mental effort or mental energy that I have put out there to hate on someone for putting up a post. You know what I haven't done now for three weeks? Hate it on anybody. Like, it's unbelievable. Maybe a bit on Dan Andrews, but, you know, that's a separate (laughs) issue. But the... Like, I haven't hate on anyone. Actually, sorry. Yeah, I have on the uh, entire St. Kilda uh, final. So, (laughs) Um, and it is... To the listeners, guys, it is one of the most empowering things to not feel like you just you're being negative about everyone. Like someone puts up a this was actually fucked. I don't. This is the last thing I'm going to say, apart from obviously the issues surrounding self harm and things, which I didn't touch on before, but you did. It is it is damning. Like it is seriously damning to see the statistics in the such young populations and how it is growing. One of the most ridiculous things they said was someone that you don't. Um, you don't sort of um, interact with for a long time, they'll start to bring them to the front of their newsfeed mm. and they'll start to bring them to the top. So I think that is one of the most terrifying things that if you've got someone that you, not in the sense, like I'm not talking about like ex-girlfriends or like you know ex-partners and things where it's like, oh my God, there they are again. It's more the fact that like, that is obviously going to be a negative issue. If you're not interacting with someone, Sometimes that could be there's been an issue or there hasn't or maybe that person's just not important to you anymore. It could be a friend, it could be family, it could be an influencer that you follow. The moment that that person comes back to the top of the feed, which is what these apps are designed to do, it's to get your attention. As soon as they come back to the top of the feed, you are now putting negative energy back out there because this person is in your vantage point. And I think that that is just not terrifying in the sense of like, oh my God, it's yeah, it's my ex-girlfriend or whatever. It's more the fact that That's just fucked up. Mm. Like, I reckon that is just... The fact that it is built to pull negative energy. And they say it's because, you know, uh, you might not have seen them for a little while and you want to interact. Trying to connect you. It's just like... That is the... I just think... I don't know. You know what? That was what I was speechless from. Honestly, speechless. I I totally get the negative energy thing. This is the very last thing I'll say. Um, You sure? Because we've got... (laughs) 100%. Is it... Mate, I spend my time, like, judging people on social media. I'm like, why the hell did that chick post that? Like, seriously, what's she trying to get? Why the hell did that bloke post that? Like, that's ridiculous. No one cares. You're doing this for the wrong reasons, whatever. And you're right. Like, that judgment creates your own negative energy and brings yourself down. Right? Mm. Why would we want to do that? Um, Q&A. Q&A. Let's... Do you, Let's want to, get through do you want to take us away, Joe? Uh, here <laughs> Michelle Burke, uh, your lovely auntie, Chris, yes. has asked us, getting up early to walk or staying in bed for... What is, what is better? Getting up early to walk or staying in bed for some much-needed sleep after having a bad night's sleep? Um, sleep, always, for me, number one priority. You keep this very, very quickly. Walking's great. Exercising's great. We're both big fans, big advocates, plenty mm. of benefits. But sleep is vital for your recovery. If you're not sleeping well, um, there's so many different health implications that, that can go on. You're far better off staying in bed. If you can, get a little bit more rest and relaxation and sleep than going and pushing yourself to do something else. One thing I'll say on that, though, just playing devil's advocate, is sometimes if you do have a bad night's sleep, and I'm not talking about in the sense where you have sleep issues, if you are someone who maybe went to bed a little bit late and then the next day, you know, let's say you were, you know, playing FIFA, <coughs> sorry, um, just anecdotal, um, you necess- don't necessarily want to sleep in because that's just a bad habit. Sometimes then the more important thing to do is then get to sleep earlier the next night. Yep. So if you do have sleep issues, yeah, definitely, you know, getting the sleep's important. But if it's just because you're a bit of an idiot and like to go to bed at midnight, we'll get that shit sorted. Yeah, I like it, mate. Um, Next one. 
Oops, sorry, I scrolled. <laughs> All right, so we've got uh, Matty Rush, my boy. He's asked, is there such a thing as too much training and how important are rest days? I'll tackle this, Jay Wire. Keep it very quick. Yes, there is such thing as too much training. Rest days are very, very important. I think we covered this briefly on a, on a previous episode. I'm going to touch on um, uh, very, very quickly. The principles that overline any sort of training is the SRA principle, stimulus, recovery, adaptation. Okay, The reasons why we train is because we want an adaptation, whether that's to get stronger, to run faster, to jump higher, to look better, to lose weight. In order to get that adaptation, we need a stimulus, whether that's resistance training, um, you know, uh, cycling, swimming, running, whatever it may be. And in order for that stimulus to create an adaptation, we need the R, which is the recovery in the middle. And so rest days, getting a good night's sleep, like we just touched on from Michelle's question, all these things is very, very important because there's too much stimulus um, and too much training, like Russia asked, and there's not going to be adequate recovery and we're not going to get the adaptations that we want. So there's got to be a balance. We need enough stimulus to get the adaptations that we want, but definitely not too much if that's going to impact on recovery because not only are we not going to get the adaptations that we want, we also increase our risk for injury. And the important thing to remember as well is there's only so much volume you can recover from. Uh, so our MRV, which is obviously different in people or different in everyone and um, has to be built over time, um, pretty much stops us from being able to, like let's say in a resistance training sense, just training every day and getting huge. Like it, it doesn't quite work like that. Like you said, there has to be that element of recovery. But don't forget as well, we don't train to recover. Like the whole point of training is to create um, adaptations and then to improve. We don't want to sort of think about it as training, then spending all this time resting and recovering. There needs to be some form of, you know, again, in a resistance training sense, continuous damage happening over time with interspersed recovery. Recovery enough to recover and then get the adaptation, but we don't want to just sit there, you know, recovering. And this is why sometimes things like ice baths and there are guns, your favorite, these sort of things and focusing on that before focusing on good night's sleep, food, tra- good training is so important. Well, we're going to touch on there guns, which is another physio. Yeah, actually, yeah, world. That was an um, Let's, uh, let's leave for another episode. <laughs> oh. We're nearly at 15 minutes. <laughs> Mate, I'll talk for about 25 minutes on that one. Um, <laughs> We'll very, save that. Theraguns. Very wise answer from you for, from that question, JY. You've got some more wisdom for us, mate. Quote of the week. Quote of the week. All right. So, I uh, just a little uh, start. I had to uh, actually Google the pronunciation for the name of Henry David Thoreau. So, it's Henry David Thoreau. Thoreau. And his quote, Thoreau, like as, if, as in I'm Thoreauing the ball. Um, so his Thanks quote, his quote, which is out of, uh, it's also in Dale Carnegie's, um, how to win friends and influence people. Great book. Um, great book. Also, everybody should read that. Um, is the cost of a thing is the amount of life, which is required to be exchanged for it immediately or in the long run. It's funny that this quote is third on my list of most important quotes that I have. Um, cause I'm a little nerd like that. We're talking about social media today. In The Social Dilemma, the most... And I left this last because I wanted to really finish with this. Just drive this point home and have... You should all delete social medias. <laughs> but the product of social media is free. We don't pay for it. However, w- the way they look at it is if you don't pay for the product, you are the product. Okay? And what we are putting out there is... Our time, which is what we are spending, if you think about it, we're spending our time, our energy, um, and putting an emotional investment into this. So when we put that much into it, that's what we're, you know, that's what it's actually costing us, okay? So when you think about it, the cost of social media is, uh, 
is how much you invest into it. I've lost my train of thought. But yeah, you know what I mean. Anyway, that's uh, fine, mate. That's fine. I'm glad you guys got that. <laughs> Joke <laughs> of the week, Chris. Please finish us off. I love the relevance, mate. I really do love I'll the try. relevance. Joke of the week. Um, you wouldn't believe it, JY. The cops actually knocked on my door this morning. Did they? They did. And then they told me that my dog had been chasing a man on a bike. I said, turn it up, officer. My dog doesn't even have a bike. <laughs> <laughs>